You know, life to me is kind of a mystery because it's a mystery that people could choose to face life with all of its pain, with all of its sicknesses, with all of its death, and choose to face life without God or without even desiring to have God. Heard of a man who had a headache and it got worse and worse and worse. Finally, he decided to go to the doctor because he just couldn't stand it, the, the severity of the headache. And the doctor ran some tests. Some hours later, he called him in. He says, well, I, I have terrible news. Uh, your condition is terminal. He said, oh, no. Well, how long do I have, doctor? He said, 10. He said, what do you mean? 10 what? 10 days, 10 months, 10 years. And he continued, nine. Nine what? Eight. Seven. Six. So we act like sometimes we don't cherish life, but I think maybe we almost cherish life in this world sometimes too much. Second Peter 3 verse 12 says, we're looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. You see, if you've got God in your life, then it changes your perspective. It, you see the world different. Without God, what's there to look forward to? Getting old? Oh yeah, that's fine. Dying? Oh yeah. But if there is a God, then suddenly getting old is not so bad. And I like that song, y'all remember? Heaven is on the other side. Heaven is on the other side. And that's something to look forward to, right? My singing isn't, but the great the greatness of the love of God and the love for God actually makes life seem shorter. Have you noticed that? I heard of a guy uh, inter- being interviewed as a newspaper article came out. Uh, it was an advice column, basically, about couples who'd been married a while. And one couple had been married 50 years, and the interviewer said uh, to the husband, well, 50 years is a long time. And the guy said, well, not nearly as long as it would have been without her. Genesis 29, verse 20, Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Hmm. See, love makes the trip seem shorter, doesn't it? Yeah, love makes the world go round, but the trip's just a little bit shorter when you're in love with someone. Love makes getting up in the morning and going to work and facing the drudgery all worth it. It seems shorter. Love shortens our trip. The wise men in our text believed in God and they believed in His plan. Get this. More than the people of God. More than the people who claim that they followed God. Are you listening? People who claim they follow God. That's you, right? These men were wiser than the people of God. God's people were totally oblivious to what these wise men had seen. Whoops. How did that be? You know, wise folks see things 
and they see the evidence of God where foolish people do not see the evidence of God. And simple things. Let me give you a simple thing that totally proves that God exists. Okay? You know, something really simple. It's absolutely astounding, actually. But it seems so simple. Have you ever looked up in the sky and you saw the sun? And then later you saw the moon? Did you know they look like the same size? Have you noticed that? They are the same size in our sky. They don't just look like the same size. In our sky, the moon and the sun are the same size. Now that's kind of astounding since the sun is about 400 times the diameter of the moon. Which is kind of interesting because that means it's not just 400 times bigger. It's 1.3 million times larger in actual what it contains. Because there's a difference in a ball and a marble, right? It's like a Pilates ball compared to a marble. That's about what we're looking at with the moon. And the sun being 400 times larger just happens to be 400 times further away from the earth than the moon is. So the sun is 400 times wider than the moon and 400 times further away than the moon. But of course, that happens all the time. Actually, no. It's never been observed anywhere in the universe. This is the only example that we know of. By the way, most moons aren't perfectly round like the sun would have to be being a ball of fire. But the moon... A lot of moons aren't perfectly round, but our moon just happens to be perfectly round and perfectly the same size as our sun. That's kind of neat, isn't it? Of course, that's all a coincidence if you're a scientist. It's just all a coincidence. But the really cool thing about this pure coincidence is that the sun is 93 million miles away, casting a conical quarter million mile long shadow from the 2,000 mile wide moon converging onto a 60 to 70 mile wide pinpoint on the 8,000 mile wide earth making a perfect eclipse. And what makes that kind of neat is you say, well, that could just happen. You figure out how you would do it. Do you know the math? What would the math be like? Nah, I'm not good at math, so we're not going there. So you know the only way I'd be able to do it? You'd have to give me full control of the sun, full control of the moon, and full control of the earth, and let me adjust it like a magnifying glass until I got that right. And then I'd have to look at it a little bit and go, I got that little off, and move it just a little bit. Isn't it wonderful that it just worked out that way? But now if you're a fool, you say, aren't we lucky? But if you're wise, you say, something else is at work here. Because there's nothing like that anywhere else. The wise see, and they're in awe of, and they honor God for, and they heed the warnings of. But the unwise do not. Our text reveals basically four facets of the wise men after Christmas in this special wisdom that they reveal. Let's walk through them. They're really easy. There they are. We'll read a few scriptures together and, and I'll be done. It says, so the after 
Christmas wisdom of watching is made clear. You read a moment ago. I'll just take a look again. It's these wise men. Verse 2 says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? This is what he's asking the people of God. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, Revelation 3, verse 3, If you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. I think one of the biggest things we need to learn to do is watch. You see, the wisdom of watching carefully is only true if you believe God's going to act. There is a wisdom of watching carefully for God to not only act, but to act again. Too many people of God do not believe God is acting. They don't watch. They think it's all just coincidence. Aren't you stunned at how many religious folks deny God's power to the point that they do not pray? They do not believe God can do anything and they never watch if God's doing anything. Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So while I've been watching, I don't see it. You're not watching very closely then. We need wisdom to watch God in action. If you watch, you will see. If you aren't watching, you're not as wise as you think you are. So truly, wise men have the wisdom of watching. Second thing is that the after Christmas wisdom of these wise men was in their wonder. They were wondering at what God had done. I'll begin in verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. In all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. How long ago was that that you first saw it? Verse 8, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. Verse 9, When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came. And stood over where the young child was. Verse 10. This is critical. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Hmm. You know, a lot of times I'm afraid I don't see a lot of wonder in the people of God. A man born lame from birth, Acts 3. But when he was healed, it says... They were all filled with wonder. There's a wisdom of a wonder. There's a wisdom of the wonder of faith, both in Scripture that says God will act. They read the Scripture in wonder. There is the wisdom of wonder and the joy of actually seeing God act in answer to prayer. Aren't you stunned? Aren't you absolutely stunned? At how many religious folks, church-going folks, have lost any sense of wonder 
or all. They approach Christmas as strictly about, don't get me wrong, I don't know the day he was born either, but to approach the concepts about this as if it's just about the money. Or they approach Easter as if it's just about the chocolate eggs. Or they approach Pentecost as it's just about summer vacation starting. Or it's Sunday and it's just another day off. Where's the wonder? Where's the wonder in you? The wonder of a child that looks up and goes, Oh, oh my. In Psalm 119, 161, it says the heart is in awe of your word. Do you read it with awe? We need wisdom to wonder at the scriptures. We need wisdom to wonder at what God's doing in this world. We need to see it and wonder. So truly wise men have the wisdom of wonder. But then also the after Christmas wisdom of these wise men is in worshiping. In verse 11 it says in in Matthew 2. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Look what they did. And fell down. It didn't say they knelt. They fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 2 of this same chapter says... And we have come to worship him. In Daniel chapter 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got in trouble, they got in trouble for not falling down and worshiping the idol. You see, falling down or bowing or kneeling is a sign of worship. In Philippians 2 verses 10 and 11, it says, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When you bow your knee, that is worship. There is a wisdom of worship of falling before Jesus. Now I know that the Father seeks such to worship Him, John 4 verse 24, but do not conclude that it is inappropriate to worship Jesus. This text is clear that it is not only appropriate, it is what you should do. You should worship Jesus. The worship, the wisdom of worship and giving to Jesus is right and it's biblical. Now, aren't you stunned, though, at how many religious folks, how many churchgoers, what they end up doing is arguing over worship, how it's done, who receives it. Are you getting me? We end up arguing about that, but rarely actually ever really doing much of it. We come here, and sometimes it's like cardboard cutout time. These songs go, bing, right over your head. You say a prayer, and all you're thinking about is, can't wait to get out and get something to eat this afternoon. Bing, bing, it's just bouncing off. So, I think we need to think hard and long that these men were so wise when they got in his presence, they fell down to worship. In John 4, verse 17 through 20, the, the discussion came up when worship came up. Well, our fathers 
They say to worship in this mountain. But your fathers say to worship in Jerusalem. What in the world? You getting into a technical argument about worship when you aren't even doing it. Because she is living in sin. Hello? So you, you want, what amazes me is some of the most technical arguing people are actually living the least close to the way we should live. Have you noticed? They get drunk on the weekends and then they want to come and argue about worship. What's up? We need wisdom to worship, to bow, and to give homage. So truly wise men have the wisdom of worship. These guys did. Finally, it's the after Christmas wisdom of these men of recognizing a warning. We don't talk about that much anymore, do we? Shot across the bow. I've had a few, have you? You had a shot across your bow? Wake up! That's I've had those. You had one? Matthew 2, verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream. A dream, come on! Divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod. I think that was good advice, don't you? They departed for their own country another way. When the babies couldn't survive, what do you think would have happened to these guys announcing it? Go back to verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. This was not a nice guy. He scared everybody. He scared them all. Colossians 1 verse 28. Our duty is not just to tell everybody about Jesus. Our duty is to warn every man. So there's a wisdom of warning by natural providence when things knock on your door and say, what's going on here? What, wait, what, what's happening? Right? There's the wisdom of warning by natural paranoia. It's okay to be a little paranoid. Because the truth is, is that somebody is coming one day for you. Okay? It's good for you. Take heed. Amen? Take heed. These men saw a warning. And they were good guys. But they were willing to accept a warning. Aren't you stunned? How many religious folks are not respectful of the Almighty? They're not respectful of His providence. They don't even see it. They make fun of it. I just make fun of it. It's a joke. <laughs> I could have died. Or he's coming. You hear a noise? It's not a bad idea to look up. Matthew 27 verse 40. If you are the son of God. That's the attitude to get you messed up. Take the warning. We need wisdom to be warned by even natural events. Because sooner or later. The eastern sky is going to split open, my friend. The roll will be called up yonder. And you will be there. So we need wisdom to be warned by 
even what we would call natural events because eventually the natural events are the supernatural events, are they not? So truly wise men have the wisdom of warning. So they have the wisdom of watching, of wondering at what God's doing, of worshiping, and of warning. Now Jesus was born and the wise men watched. They wondered, they worshiped, they warned. They were warned of God. Jesus was born and unwise believers were oblivious. What are you? And what are you missing? What am I missing? Am I paying attention? What are we ignoring that God is actively doing or trying to do in our life? What door has God already opened for me or for you that I'm so busy thinking I'm working it all out, I'm not seeing what God's trying to do? Henry Blackaby, in Experiencing God, says, History is the activity of God in accomplishing his mighty purposes. You think he's gone to sleep? You think that he did all that way back then and left and he's on a vacation in Hawaii or something? He's right here. And all things, all things work together for good. Amen? Are you watching? Are you looking? Y'all remember before cell phones? I kind of miss it, don't y'all? It was back then we actually had conversations. It was kind of neat to actually talk to somebody and they looked at you. Amen? Y'all, y'all don't, some of y'all young people ain't never seen anybody look at you in a conversation. I, I know. But back before cell phones, there's a guy named Jack and he's on a dark country road one night and he got a flat tire and he didn't have a spare so what do you do back then well you get out of your car and you start walking (laughs) and so is it dark country road and he looked for a light sure enough out there in the middle of nowhere he saw a light at a cabin and he started walking toward it but then he as he's walking toward it he started talking to himself because he's a little nervous Y'all ever been in the middle of nowhere in the dark and approaching somebody else's house? It's a little nerve-wracking. Guy, you don't know what you're right. So he started talking to himself and he told himself, you know that person who's going to answer the door might be angry and even irritated that I've interrupted his night. He may not want to mess with me at all here in the middle of the night. And then he told himself, you know the person might actually want to harm me. You don't know. Because he's never been to his house before. And he told himself, anyone actually living in the middle of the woods like this? Probably weird. In fact, he might just be a terrible person hiding out from other people. And who, And I mean, why in the world would somebody live way out here in the middle of nowhere? Then he told himself, you know, a person who lives... In the middle of the woods, like this in the dark, it's probably a menace to society. Who would want to be around him? So when he finally got to the door, as he's approaching it, he gets to the door. And what does he do? He pops the guy in the nose. And then he turns and runs off. 
because he talked himself into believing something that was not true. Listen, folks, that's what we do with God. Some of y'all are already popping God in the nose. You haven't looked into who God is. You don't even know who he is. And you've decided you won't know part of it. You've judged him. You without even knowing, don't even hardly know the Bible. And you're going to decide, I don't want any part of it. I know I'm not talking to the majority, but there's a few people in here, and I don't know who you are, but you're sitting there going, what you talking about? I'm talking to you. You've been popping God in the nose. You didn't decide, oh, oh, he must be weird. He must be odd. He's out here on the fringes. You see, you've not watched for God to open that door. You've never wondered at a great God who has a great home that would be happy for you to come in. You've never worshipped truly and honored a God who just wants to be there for you. You've never been warned of God and recognized that there's no one else out here that can help you. You need somebody to help you with your flat tire. Have you been punching God in the nose and running away all your life because you've never been willing to consider that he's not that person you've imagined? You came up with that. You didn't read it. Because if you read the book I read, you'd be going, man, I wouldn't want to do anything but go in that man's house. Amen. I can't wait. He'll have coffee for me. He'll probably make some bacon and eggs. Well, maybe not bacon. He is Jewish background. But he'll be there. Amen. He's going to open the door for me, right? And he's going to welcome me in. Here I am. I want to pop him in the nose. The door's open. And it's open for you. Be as wise as these wise men. Not dumb like the rest of us church folk. Be wise. And see who God really is. And he'll welcome you in. If you need to come, we will bid you to come. You can believe in Jesus today. You can confess Jesus today. You can repent of the things you've done wrong today. And you can be baptized for the remission of your sins today. Won't you come if you need to while we stand, while we sing?